Epic Turn is a podcast about the hobby gaming industry, what we love or hate about it, how it's evolving and changing, and other things that as gamers we are passionate about. Your hosts are Brian McLemore, that's me, and Tim Aldridge. Welcome as we take our next Epic Turn. And this is kind of an odd Epic Turn for us because we this is a follow-up to what we were trying to do at Gen Con. Well, it is what we're trying to do at Gen Con. It's what we accomplished at Gen Con. Right, right. Except to right now, <laughs> I'm not at Gen Con. No, it's actually Monday. And that makes me very us. sad. Yes, I am, I, am, I am still sad. Yes, I, I did sleep between Gen Con and here. <laughs> I think. You didn't. Okay, that explains a lot. Um, so to fill in the listeners on what actually happened, we sat down with some great people at Gen Con. We got a lot of great material that we're going to be releasing today and tomorrow. But we didn't have time to record uh, the wrappers around it so that we could actually not just sound like we were posting complete raw footage. And we also didn't have time to upload it. We're really sorry about this, guys. We actually planned on doing a, a day-to-day episode. So that you guys felt like you were there with us at Gen Con. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. And again, I'll stress it again, though. Uh, our bad. <laughs> Please accept our apologies. <laughs> Do not unsubscribe <laughs> from the feed. <laughs> please, please. Uh, you know, we're, there was just, I think we we're maybe a little overambitious for our first Gen Con. First time doing this. I definitely think we were. And um, I will say being the overambitious people... Brian, you and me are. Mm-hmm. I think we did pretty good for it. I mean, with, I mean, pretty good with the situation. By the way, also, I'm still mentally exhausted, listeners. So please, 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 don't take it out on us when we, you know, flub up a couple times. Yeah, you sound normal. <laughs> you, you sound as exhausted as always. Oh, um, that's not nice. Yeah, the truth hurts, man. But no, uh, back to what I was saying. So we did. So what we're doing now is Brian and I are back home. And we are going back and recording the rappers for our interviews. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of we want to get you filled in what we did do, because as much as it is a blur, it's at least we can recall it. Yeah, we want to do it now before it gets before it completely runs away and we can't remember what happened at all. Um, as it was, I think we got about four and a half, six, four and a half to six hours a night of sleep, yep. which when you've been up and moving for 18 plus hours. That's not enough. No, it was not enough. Uh, Gen Con <laughs> is a physically and mentally exhausting convention. All that being said, I cannot wait for next year. Me either. Yeah. I, so, I, the, the, bumming, the, the thing I'm bummed out about the most is that we have to wait a year before we can go back again. Well, yeah, that is, that is a disappointment. I will, give, I will say that. However, it gives us a year to recoup, plan, mm-hmm. and, yep. and honestly uh, – relax for the next year (laughs) play a lot of the new games we bought yeah okay so day two we want to start off with a little bit of a recap tell you what we did so tim what did we do okay so one of the we we played a lot of games so day one as you guys heard we did a lot in the convention hall uh we were all around everywhere doing things uh we sang hotel california Mm -hmm. um i'm sorry about that by the way (laughs) listeners Anyway, <laughs> so day so day two, uh, we went back to the vendor hall, and we decided that we were going to try to play games we have not played before. 
Mm-hmm. And if we liked the game, we bought it. We bought it on the spot. Well, okay. If we really, really liked the game, we bought it on the spot. If not, it was one of those things that it, we have a big wish list on cool stuff, which we're keeping track of to say, okay, we need to buy this next and this next so that we can, you know, eventually pick up the games that we did enjoy. You know, uh, I wish I had a Amex Black to where I could just have bought one copy of everything, but uh, I just don't. So uh, anyway, so we started off uh, the day, at least for me, because uh, Brian and I, we didn't want to travel together at all times so we can cover more of the convention out, uh, throughout, you know, so when we came back to the recording, we both had all had tried something new. So I stopped first at uh, Plat Hat, Plat, Plate Hat Games mm-hmm. and tried out Mice and Mystics. OK, that sounds funny. It's a great game. Uh, it was a. It's kind of so. Basically, the premise is your 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 king is in uh, your the king is in danger, and or at least is the premise that we got. Sorry, uh, you're the king is <laughs> so in the danger. demo premise. Yes, uh, your your king is in danger, and you get locked in a prison, and you get a spell that turns you into mice, and the evil person that is you know poisoning the, who poisoned the king and this big you know scheming person then also shrinks all the guards into rats and so you're trying to escape the dungeon and it's kind of like it's in the same vein um a little bit in the same vein as like hero quest except for there's not really a dm the 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 party actually controls everything that happens from monster spawning to movement um like everything is done to where you don't have that gm element such as like with level seven and hero quest um descent those games uh so you're basically like i said you have these mice and your movement is pretty straightforward and standard you roll a dice it tells you how many movement points you move around the board and you fight things like rats and centipedes and the those move those tokens move to the closest rat and if there's a bunch of rats, I mean, not a bunch of rats, mice, a uh, bunch of mice together, it then looks at the initiative tracker, which is basically you shuffle all the cards of all the monsters and the players and you push them out and you deal them out to this initiative tracker. And each, uh, if you're in a big group, it just goes down the initiative tracker to see who gets hit first. So hmm. kind of neat. Uh, it kind of has a, we're going to be bringing this up in, a, in, in another episode, but it has a push mechanic like true dungeon that after all the monsters are dead, you have, you have so many turns before you start accumulating uh, these, this wheel of cheese. And when the wheel fills up, it, you get a monster surge and another monster comes in and tries to kill you. Um, so it kind of forces the players not to just hang around and f- try to farm a room for gold mm. and items. Um, uh so so it's again it's this elaborate thing it's uh has 11 adventures which uh you know has some replayability to it and then the expansion they released at gen con had uh, i think four or five extra ones so you have about 16 missions 16 adventures and there's a lot to do there's side quests it was a really fun game uh i the one thing i really enjoyed was the humor like there's a there's one point where you had to get out of the water and you had to use a small hook and some line to get out. So the items are all, you know, things like, you know, bottle caps and it's kind of not bottle caps because it's still um, it's still fan, medieval fantasy. But, you know, it's everything's like scaled down, like toothpicks, things like that. And I, I just found the humor to be very enjoyable. Um, unfortunately, I did not get a copy of this game. However, it is on my cool stuff list. 
Okay. I mean, it sounds kind of interesting. I think I'd have to see it. I mean, you just rambled off a lot of mechanics that <laughs> without any kind of visual thing, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. I, I should have gone so much into mechanics, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, it, it does sound like it could have been, it could be neat. And I like games that take, don't take themselves too seriously. Um, yeah, so there's it, a lot of humor in it. And that's, and that's always good. Like there's one I mission think. where yeah it's like one mission you're you're in a kitchen and you're trying to get Miss Maggie's attention mm-hmm. before she hits you with a broom because she just thinks you're a bunch of mice and I was like what and gotcha. you, you kill a roach like a cockroach and then she notices oh wait you're good guys and she gives you a slice of pie I don't know it was really weird but it was awesome okay uh, I had a lot of fun with that one <laughs> all right so that's mice and mystics we'll leave it there until we can get our copy get our hands on a copy and play it together. Agreed. So okay. what about you? What was a uh, what was a game you got to try out? Like, I guess we're going to do this pass back and forth until one of us until we both pass. And then I guess we're done. <laughs> I played a game just like that, but I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. <laughs> oh, good job, buddy. I know it's uh, it was a long weekend. Um, Where the hell did my show notes go? There they are. OK, so I, I, I know you got to play this one, too. So we'll kind of take this turn together a little bit. Yay. Um. I got to sit down with a few of uh, a few of the group, and we played Winter Tales at Fancy Flights Board. And this is kind of an interesting take on a game because it's not it doesn't have a lot of a typical win mechanics that you'd be used to. The goal is not to beat up somebody or do anything else; it's to tell a story. Mm-hmm. Um, it has uh, in, it has uh, it's inspired uh, by an uh, I believe the game is originally Italian, okay. so so it's a little strange. Um, from a, an Americanized point of view, at least, right? And the core mechanic is you have cards that are drill, drawn by children, and you interpret what they are as part of telling a story about how your team is achieving your goals. You have one team that's all about uh, ex- exposing death, that's winter, and then you have the spring team that's all about life and joy. Oh, I love this game. I, I know you do because you, know, you love storytelling of any form. I do, and that's why I, I okay, that is exactly why I love that game, besides yes. the overall theme. Yeah, the winter versus spring, it had a very fey kind of mentality to it, like you know, we love in some of the fiction we've read, but yep. it's not uh, it, it's not about Fey. No, uh, it's not. <laughs> it's a, you know, they have all these and many of the heroes are not heroes, but characters in the game are Italian and other European uh, stories that as uh, as Americans we weren't uh, I wasn't familiar with all of them. I was familiar with a good portion because you had Alice in Wonderland. Mm-hmm. You, had, you had the Mad uh, Hatter. Right. You had Dorothy and the Tin Man. Uh, I didn't see those in my game. Oh, yeah, that's right, because they were rotating heroes. We had Dorothy and the Tin Man, mm-hmm. uh, Geppetto and Pinocchio. Yeah. We had some old guy in a wheelchair. I had never seen him before. I can't even remember what his name is. Uh, that's That was supposed to be Geppetto, if I remember correctly. Uh, not by any spelling I had recognized. But maybe it was. I don't know. Um, it's It was a preview copy. The game is not out yet. It was pretty neat. I don't know if it has staying power for me personally mm-hmm. because I'm not sure once you tell a handful of stories if it's still going to be entertaining to play. See, I think that's what makes that game so much fun, at least for me, is it's the the way we demoed it and the guy and the, the Fantasy of Flights uh, demoer was very nice about it. He's like, look, the point of this game is to be for someone very creative, that you're supposed to find a good table that can do this. And you should be giving, you know, if I spend four story points to do an action, 
Mm-hmm. If the story's really good, then the other person, if they can't try to top that story, should just let it go. But if you were to play it on a min-max level, it, it does not have the replayability value at yeah. all. I mean, so there was a few mechanics that were exposed to us after we were done with the game that may make it a little bit better once you have the full rule set. Yeah. Because you can apparently um, hinder players from passing through squares and kind of a, a tactical movement game, and that also exhausts their ability to win victory points because they have to counter you by playing cards out of your out of their hand. So those kind of mechanics might add enough strategy to it to keep me hooked. I really won't know like until we can play with the whole rules. Well, I'm hoping. I think they said winter. Like that you know, would that would be appropriate. <laughs> That'd be appropriate. <laughs> winter for it, so we'll see. Uh, I did put it on the wish list on cool stuff as well. So. Okay, well, you know, I, I would definitely play it a few more times, give it a, a full effort, like we talked about in episode four. Um, but I, I just, it's one of those things that leaves me a little bit of trepidation, just because it is a really neat storytelling concept, and I don't know. But it also reminds me a lot of uh, Machine of Death, which is a Kickstarter I backed. Because it and that again is also all about telling a story about how somebody dies. Yeah, um, that, that I can't wait to play that soon, very mm-hmm. soon. Yeah, well, and they were there at Gen Con. I did run across them on, uh, on Friday. They gave me the promos that if you uh, pre-ordered it while you were there, I told them, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I backed the big box on Kickstarter, and so they did give me the promos from Gen Con. So I was I was happy about that. Sweet. Um, you know, and that one differs to me a little bit because I think the cards are more concrete in how they how they lead you to tell the story mm-hmm. you know they're more like um story starters than here's an interpretive drawing of a bunch of boulders okay you know yeah, yeah fair enough <laughs> yeah so i i think to me that might make it a little bit better from a storytelling angle for me but i'm not sure oh, well, again we'll find out <laughs> again we need to play both of them i think i think so that could be an interesting episode we sit down and play so just that would actually be an awesome episode to record just the creativity you have to go with we yeah have to, we just have to take pictures of the cards so people can understand <laughs> our our logical process well, yeah. and i'm talking about even taking one step further and, and comparing uh the game of death versus winter tales oh man i i hope we're gonna do more of these versus ideas yeah. we're coming up with. Uh, it'd be, it could be cool you know uh, I, I like it um, I like but the question is to our listeners, like it, listeners, let us know at yeah. epicturn.com and, you know, on our Twitter at Epic Turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, well, moving on. <laughs> and I will warn listeners, we are going to try some future show concepts past what we've done already. And if it works, it works. And that's awesome. If it doesn't, we apologize in advance, but we're still going to do it once. We always got to do it once. Always got to try it. Um, anyway. <laughs> so well, back, well, back there is on one, one thing I think you'll be proud of me. Uh-oh. I was playing Winter. Uh-huh. We won. Okay. And I ended my storytelling. Uh-huh. With Rocks Fall and everyone died. Yes. Rocks Fall and everyone <laughs> dies. Oh, that yes, that is always a good thing. <laughs> everyone else at the table stopped for a second. And of course. Yeah. I, but it was I'm worth ass- it. I'm assuming Will even face palmed and or you know, looked at you and said a couple of Sundays. Yes, absolutely. You know, I think the saddest part that we didn't get to finish recording these at Gen Con. Is the fact that our cast, yeah, we don't have Will, we don't have Craig, you know, we don't have the full group with us. My brother Scott, yeah, we had so many great panelists with us, uh, you know, friends of the show. It was a lot of fun when we did day one episode, and we were all just hanging out uh, that night uh, recording. I really wish we had found the time next year. Better job scheduling. 
Yeah, next year. Um, yeah, let's not let's not discuss our our uh, business on the podcast. But yes, definitely next year scheduling is our our top yeah. number one priority. Yes, next year we will do this better. Yes. Um. So okay. I guess okay. So Winter Tales. Mm-hmm. I got to stop by Privateer Press's booth. Yeah. Which I'm going to go ahead and spoil the next episode for people. Sorry, Brian. Mm. We're going to have Privateer Press on the show. Yeah, yeah that's so that's for Saturday's episode. That's day for three. Saturday's episode, day three. So I stopped by uh, Privateer Press's booth. I got to try out High Command. As mm-hmm. you know, I immediately spent $90 <laughs> and bought both the Hordes and the War Machine version. Well, you did one before the interview and one after. But yeah, That's true, but I yeah. bought both. Yeah, she um, did. Uh, I tried. Okay, let me rephrase. I tried to buy both. Hordes was not on the. They had sold out of Hordes, and they had a little, a little bit of War Machine left. So I bought War Machine, and that was because they were trying to get more copies on the floor. Uh, I unfortunately had to keep the line moving. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, I bought both. Anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I had a lot of fun with it. It's it's going to be something I'm going to have to sit down. It's, it's a deck builder. It's well, it's a, not really a deck builder as it is. A, it's kind of LCG ish that you only have to buy the product once. And then the future products, you'll be able to customize your army mm-hmm. with the four faction. And it's a very big skirmish game, which I, I was a big fan of. Yeah. It sounded like it's a combination between deck builder and literally, you know, uh, more classical deck building. It is. Um, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, I got to quit saying the word um. Yeah, no, it's all it's all good. <laughs> it's again mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. The uh, hi, I, I'm excited to try it. The especially after the interview with Privateer Press, alongside the fact that it was a lot of fun for the demo, we were all really happy, and it was that same kind of feel, not on the same level as part because everybody's like you know really trying to to win the to win the battles, and so I think it has some staying power. Uh, I'm not going to go too much in details because, again, that one was demo and it was kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one of those things we need to play and try out some. Yeah, it, there was a lot of people around the the booth trying to get in demo, so they were kind of rushing. And I honestly, to be perfectly frank, don't remember it off the top of my head. Um, so, you, Frank? Uh, no, no. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to trying that out uh, with the group. Actually, it'll probably be just you and me, knowing <laughs> knowing that we are the card players. Of yeah, our group. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But Will Will wants really Will really wants to try it out as well. But anyway. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, I pass priority to you, Brian. Okay. On that note, I will be right back. <laughs> and I'm back. All right. So the next thing, and this may be one of the last kind of oddball things I did on Friday, mm-hmm. um, was I played a failed Kickstarter. A called, failed Kickstarter. A failed Kickstarter. Okay. Called Badass... Zombie killers. Okay. <laughs> okay. Badass zombie killers. Yeah. Okay. All right. So now, I'm I'm intrigued just on name alone. Okay. You know the scene in every zombie story where where everybody is scrambling to pack up their bags and grab all their guns. Of course. This game is entirely set in that scene. Oh, so that 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 trying to get all your ammo and guns and load up and become the you know the one man Rambo machine, right? Okay, so you're sitting there scrambling for everything, and the game ends in one of two scenarios: mm-hmm. either the yeah, either the zombie horde shows up, okay, or the police show up, or state troopers, or whatever that was. Well, that. 
that could be a problem. Right. So those are the two scenarios it can end in. Mm-hmm. And you do this by putting stop cards in the deck and you shuffle them up and they're they're in the bottom third or so of the deck, bottom quarter, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the game's going to run a little while. This is a complete screw your neighbor game. You have cards that can manipulate other people's weapons. And okay. the only thing you're trying to do on your side is build the most badass weapon you can possibly make. Okay. So I know for me... I had uh, I start off with a shotgun, yeah, pretty badass by itself. Mm-hmm. But then I turned into a, a shotgun nunchuck. Okay. Okay. Um, by the way, you have a character card, and I was uh, the aging hippie. With, uh, um, uh-huh. <laughs> and so then I played a card called "It's Pink." So normally, "It's Pink" makes it lesser, but because I was a aging hippie, it made it more badass. So I had badass shotgun chucks. Then I played a card called – they have an app for that, which allowed me to copy another modifier from somebody else. <laughs> and I now had laser-guided pink shotgun chucks. OK. <laughs> and it just – you keep adding on these modifiers and reading what your item is called is half the fun of the game. And it, it's really – it honestly really was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um we it seats up to about six people, so it's a nice party game. It's quick. There's hardly any rules, uh, and I think um, one of the most annoying and awesome aspects about it is that if the zombie horde shows up, the person with the with the best weapon, that's the most badass. They win. Okay, makes sense. If the cops show up, the person with the most badass weapon loses. Oh, and everybody else wins. No, the second place person wins. Oh, okay, makes sense. <laughs> Why not? Seems good. So completely, you know, over the top, nonsensical. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And just reading off the names of these crazy stacked up weapon modifiers. I even had a few more on mine. So (laughs) it took me like 45 seconds to read the name of my weapon. But it was a lot of fun. Um, We actually picked up a copy. Craig did. Oh, Craig got it. Cool. Mm-hmm. And it's cheap. It's only 15 bucks. Oh, see, that's a steal. Yeah. So something that's a lot of fun, just pick up and play with a large group of people. Those type of games you can't be beat. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I think I picked up one, too. I, I, I did pick up a copy of Love Letter, the AG game that we all said we wanted to try. So, yeah, you can't pass anything up for $15. No. Not not for 15 bucks. Uh you know, and there was another $15 card game we re- we got, but I can't remember what it was. But I got it on Friday. I'm going to go step into the other room and look at it while you tell us while you start on the next segment. So now the priority's back to me. I got to meet one of my, I'm going to fanboy for a minute, one of my all-time favorite RPG writers. By the way, I hate you. Because <laughs> so this was part of the time when we were separated. I hate you. Uh, so I got to go see Monty Cook at Drive Through RPGs booth. Mm-hmm. I picked up a copy of Numeria. Yeah, um, and he signed it. And I got to sit there and talk to him for a good ten to fifteen minutes. And it was the the fanboy in me, my RPG fanboy, was squeeing like a little school, school girl inside. I can't lie about this. 
it was really awesome to actually sit and talk to Monty and I was able to talk to him about, you know, RPGs and that 15 minutes felt like I probably did an, like an, a whole podcast episode. Uh, I can't stress enough. It was awesome. I got my hands on Numeria. I'm super excited to start reading it. Uh, I would have started reading it last night if I didn't just immediately pass out after driving home all six hours. However, uh, like I said, I'm just super excited. Plus, I got a picture with him. That was also awesome. Yeah, really. that, yeah, that was Thursday. I hate you for that one, too. I uh, know. It was it was super cool guy. Can't wait to try Numeria. As soon as I can, you know, finish digesting it, I'm going to probably run like a one or a one shot or a two shot uh, adventure so that we can actually talk about it. And we all know that it, at the Numeria itself, is going to be for the new Planescape game uh, made by Obsidian. And it is a a standalone game for thunderstone from aeg which i tried to get a copy i ran over to their booth they were sold out that friday as well so i i did not i did not get the top deck like a champ so <laughs> i thought like like I, I was on a roll i was like okay gotta see money cook gotta sign the book got the book wrote to aeg get thunders oh no my luck ran out it so. happens so anyway back to the card game you went to go get from the other room Okay, so I think this is my last thing to talk about on Friday, and of course we we did lots more random things, but these are the, the these are the highlight reel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and this is kind of you know it's been around for a little while, so it's not like I found something brand new and cool, but it is uh, from Cryptozoic. Mm-hmm. It is the Walking Dead. I have a zombie theme going on it. The Walking yeah, Dead card your, game for, for all your games. Yes, you do. Yeah. Again, this is a fifteen dollar card game it can seat uh, a lot of people like six eight i think one version can seat up to ten and it's again just a quick pick up and play it's not as humorous nonsensical as the other one but it gives you a little bit of strategy it's based on a german card game mechanic um oh okay so it's um but it's just branded for the walking dead and what you do is that you you pick everybody picks two cards to play and then they play in a very you, you flip them over at once and then they apply in a very set order. And the goal is to get uh, in the classic play rules is to get the most uh, zombies um, well, or to get the most points worth on your zombies because there's like a numerical value that determines how they play and then there's a point value. And you want to get the right. most points and whoever has the most points uh, when you run out of cards wins. Pretty straightforward. Yeah, that's that's pretty straightforward. Yeah. So they apply. And the thing is, is because they don't apply in the order you might expect, uh, Mm -hmm. it's hard for you to 100 percent predict how it resolves and if you're going to get the points you're after. Mm -hmm. Uh, You you might accidentally give the points to the guy next to you. So, oh, okay. Yeah, because he because he plays a card in between you because uh, it's kind of like prices right rules. You they apply to the row of cards that um, is the closest without going over. So if there's a 12 and a 15 out, if you play a 13, it's going to apply to the 12. But if you play a 16, it's going to apply to the 15, that row, right? And when you and whoever plays the sixth card on the row gets the first five, and that sixth card becomes the new end card. So pretty simple rules, really easy to really easy to do. You need like one guy who can resolve it effectively, you know. Just mm-hmm. and at, and after that, it's just it goes really fast, and it takes probably even on a large table it should take less than 20 minutes to play a full game 
Okay, well, that I, I you know what's good about those card games, uh, be it like Love Letter, uh, you know, Badass Zombie Killer, and this. I love the fact that it's like drop and go. Mm-hmm. Got we got thirty minutes. Let's play a quick game. I love it. Yeah. So. Oh, absolutely, and uh, it's kind of like a last refound uh, lumberjacks and sasquatches. Great game. Great game. Amazing game. Yeah. Funny, quick, sit down and play. It takes 30 minutes to do a round, even with a full table, and you're done. Our games, this Gen Con, they're like that, are the are the are two zombie games of the day, uh, which are the Badass Zombie Killers and the Walking Dead card game. Yeah. Great pickups, man. Mm-hmm. Awesome pickups. Yeah. So I uh, guess it can, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I don't know. I was just trying to transition to something. <laughs> I was just, I, okay, I'll let you do the transition. My bad. Excuse me. Okay. Do we have anything else to talk about? Uh, about Friday. We, about Friday before we oh, get to that. No, no. I, I, there was one more thing we did Friday. Okay. I'm, I'm all ears. We got to sit down and talk to some of the directors for True Dungeon. <gasps> oh, now, we can't spoil that. No, no. I don't want to talk too much about it, but I just want to say okay. what True Dungeon is. No, no, you can't. You can't. You, you really can't. I think that literally we have to dedicate just an episode that you've already given too much away. Let's just say we had a great time Friday playing True Dungeon. Well, no, okay. No, you, but, bef- but before and, we played, we got to talk to him and we talked to him for about an hour. And for those who don't know, True Dungeon is the largest event at Gen Con. Yes. And that's where I'm going to leave that. Uh, you can go to their website and look it up if you really want to. But on, uh, coming up on Saturday, we're going to post a, a, a mega episode it's yes, gonna, <laughs> that's, that is what that is. It's going to be at least two hours long, and it is us sitting down with our two dungeon directors both before and after our two runs. And one of those runs was Friday night. It, yep. it was incredible, and that's all I'm going to say. And we just geek out, which is always great. Yes. Yeah. We geeked so, out for – yeah. So I'm going to take your transition of True Dungeon. I'm going to transition and say the next part that's coming up mm-hmm. – because uh, I don't know if we actually transitioned. Cor- <laughs> I think I think we were just so tired on Friday is that we got to interview <laughs> Stonemeyer Games. Yep. Um, so friends I'm of the show. Hand- yep, friends of the show. So yeah. what I'm going to do is I'm going to give it over to past Brian and past Tim mm-hmm. as they interview Stonemeyer Games. Now I got to go find a good transition effect. <laughs> so here with us we have a. Uh, and you'll have to help me say your last name. We have Jiggy, uh, Jamie, Jamie Stegmeyer. Stegmeyer, okay. And it's Stegmeyer Games, right? It's Stone Stonemeyer Games. Stonemeyer Games. Alan, okay. Alan Stone. Stone. Alan Stone. Okay. Your tag yeah. said J Stone, so I was confused. Yeah, that's a uh, yeah. Okay. So we'll call you Alan the rest <laughs> of the time. Okay, because yeah. I, I knew they, there was an Alan. I go by both. Partner. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. I was, okay. Yeah. This is yeah. Alan. Okay. Mm-hmm. So um, and of course Tim's here, and I, I'm Brian. Uh, this will be pieced together with another interview we're doing later. So, and it will be pieced together with a recap. So, listeners, this is going to be all over the place. Like we said, I will probably provide the sound effect for the transition. Oh God, no! <laughs> um, well, anyway, let's let's get back to it. So, we have again Stonemeyer, Stonemeyer, Stonemeyer yes. Games, and they are the creators of the new Euphoria game. It just finished up on its Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So, how did it do? I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I'm looking at you going. So, how did you guys do? How? What's the process? Where are you at? And tell, tell our listeners a little bit about Euphoria. Sure. I, I think the campaign ended on June 12th. It's been a couple months. Mm-hmm. Um, we finished with uh, 4,765 backers. Wow. And we raised uh, a little over 309,000 on Euphoria. Um, <laughs> so, 
So we, we can I, I consider it a success. I'm really glad. Huge with, success. Uh, yeah. With, really happy with that. Yeah. Now, now uh, you're you do have one game that's been published at this point. And that's Viticulture. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Am right. I saying that right? right. Viticulture. Right. Viticulture. Yeah, Viticulture. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's one of those words I've seen in print before, but I've never had the, I've never had a reason to say. <laughs> um, but how did the Viticulture campaign compare? Well, Viticulture was definitely a learning experience. Um, I, I I think we went into it not really realizing how good it needed to look to draw the number of backers that we wanted it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, we didn't know if it would succeed at all. And we were very happy that, that it did. I think it right. funded maybe after about two weeks. That's not bad. No. no. Yeah, That's for the first game, all. no one yeah, knew we were. We were ecstatic at the time. We oh. had no idea what was going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. you just so, go on with blind faith that it's going to work. And it, it did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. And then so Euphoria was going to jump up, a uh, big jump, because we, we funded on, we funded twice over on day one for Euphoria. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What was the original uh, fund price? Like, where, where was your your first limit? The funding goal for Viticulture was 25000 For okay. Euphoria, we kind of put some of our own money at stake, mm-hmm. and so the funding goal was only uh, 15000 Oh, very So good. it was a little easier to fund it. Right. So, yeah. so you were using some of uh, the proceeds from Viticulture, I assume, to well, towards it, or was there not much left over? There wasn't. There wasn't much left over. I, I would say we went a little bit in the red from Viticulture because we yeah. ended up ordering retail copies as well. Right. Um, uh, and we're, we're fortunate that those copies sold. But it was kind of a gamble at the time because yeah, Viticulture was coming out just as we were launching the Euphoria campaign and preparing for Euphoria. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. And that's something we talked about a little bit on our first episode about Kickstarter mm-hmm. because we were wondering, you know, does all that money just evaporate or are you left with a war chest afterwards? And I guess it's a case-by-case thing. It is, and I think it depends on – I'm sure it depends company to company, person to person, how much they end up investing into into the Kickstarter version of the game mm-hmm. and if they end up making additional retail copies of the game. Right. For Euphoria, we have um, – how many are we making? About 5,600 Kickstarter versions of the wow. game. And then we decided to add on – after much debate, we kind of yeah, debated we the numbers for on it Because the margins are tight. Like even – 309 sounds like a lot of money, but – it ends up being really tight for us to make sure that we're produced. Like we've, we added in so many cool features into euphoria yeah. to make it, you know, every time better and better and better with the, the stretch goals that now our margins are to the point where we've really got to debate. Okay. Do we want to do this much? Do we want to do, you know, 8,000? Do we want to do 9,000, 10,000? So, um, yeah. so we settled on 3,300 retail copies yeah. and, Wow. We'll see. Okay. And a big part of that actually came from um, our distributor bro- or distribution broker, Impressions, Aldo uh, Giozzi. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he, he handles our distribution. And what he told us after Viticulture, so Viticulture, when it came out, um, the day it came out, we got, or he got, a thousand orders for retail copies of the game. But I had only given him. Uh, 650 copies of the game. That's a slight problem. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a good problem to have, I, I thought. Yeah. And that's I, a, I think that's it a is a very good. good problem to have. So we essentially sold out right away to all the distributors. But the problem was the distributors weren't all that happy about it because they wanted 1,000 copies. Yeah, and right. so impressions had to cut them short. And so what Aldo told me for Euphoria when we were debating doing a smaller retail print run, he said that if we were short again for the distributors who wanted the game, that they may not, many of them may not even work with us in the future, or may do, make much smaller orders. Mm-hmm. So he really emphasized that we needed to have enough retail copies of the game to satisfy the distrib- distributor demand from day one. Regardless of, it's it's just you have to take the big gamble. 
We have to take the gamble. Yeah. yeah. So the risk yeah. is on us. I mean, we could print all those copies of the games, and come December, distributors may not want them. Stocking yeah. stuffers. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the friends and family Ho- get a copy. it's not yeah. the one giving away. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. We're not the ones. Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, so I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the game because you know Viticulture. From I, I haven't had a chance to play it, and I haven't seen a copy out here. Yeah, but um, I, we did go looking. Like, yeah, I we did. did check out. We checked every reseller that's here. Cool stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Troll and Toad. Everybody. No one has a copy, so we couldn't get our hands on it to try to play yeah. before we. At least, at least not that we could find it. But yeah, um, and we missed that Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, so I was wondering if you get to explain a little bit about the game. Reading on Board Game Geek, it sounds like it's a resource management game at its core. Mm-hmm. So, worker placement, resource management. Oh yeah. man, love me some worker placement and resource mm-hmm. management. So. Yeah, uh, yeah. We, we're, we're big fans of games like Puerto Rico and Agricola and mm-hmm. things in that vein. So would you say this is in that spirit? I would say it's in that spirit. Yeah, okay. it's so inspired by in a lot of ways, you know, oh, okay. different aspects of those games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, in the same way that Agricola is, is tactical in terms of your short-term decisions, kind of trying to optimize some of those decisions, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't work into your long-term strategy, um, that element plus the long-term strategy because you're, you're, you're planting vines, mm-hmm. you're harvesting those vines into grapes and then turning that grape in, those grapes into wine and then turning that wine into wine orders for points. And so it's this kind of long process that you go through to, to get points in the game. Um, that's the long-term strategy part of it, and it's mm-hmm. how you do that 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 leads to the different strategies on, in, in different games. Right, and I read there was a mechanic where you have a, a deck of cards that you get like customer cards out of and stuff like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. there are two visitor decks of cards. Right, um, visitors, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the, the visitors they, are uh, kind of more powerful than the actions. They'll come in and do some action, but in a better way, or maybe combined with something else. And so you can play those as as an action that gives you more more power in right. the game, you know. That makes sense. Sorry, we, we just had some weird shouting behind us. Sorry for that brief pause, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, now we, we are sitting in a hallway uh, recording this, unfortunately. Yes. All the rooms are full. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately. So with Euphoria, um, I, I brought this question up earlier, and I, I kind of want to go back to it. Like, can you explain Euphoria in terms of, like, what's the setting? Like, what kind of game is it? The style for the listeners that don't know. Sure, sure. So the subtitle of Euphoria is Build a Better Dystopia. And the idea is you are... Great subtitle, by the way. I don't know if I would have stopped if stopped and read the Kickstarter if it hadn't been for that, honestly. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, it was it just caught me. What, yeah, when oh, he good. linked it on yeah. to him, that's what I saw first, too. I didn't even see the title of the game. It was literally the, sub- the oh, subtitles. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. I'm glad it was, I'm, yeah, it was just, catchy. Yeah, just we'll just let you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say this publicly. Jamie and I went back and forth on this so many times. I was wrong. Everybody... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody says, I was wrong. Like, I, I was like, I don't like it. it, it it's a little too. He's like, no, it's, it's funny. And I'm like, I don't know if people get it. I wasn't giving people enough credit. Everybody loves it. I was wrong. <laughs> so. But to give credit back to, to Alan, the name Euphoria came from Alan. For a long time, I was calling the game Dystopia. I wanted, I wanted it to be the dystopian game, Dystopia. Mm-hmm. And you kind of pointed out that yeah, dystopians are kind of dreary. It's not that. It's, they're. they're Dystopias to me always have like, or not always, but a lot of times they look awesome. You know, the mm-hmm. the world is awesome, but the the inner workings. Once you get deeper into it, it's not. And also, I, yeah, the, the the idea of a dystopia referring to itself as a dystopia or a dystopian book saying dystopia, right. just you know, that's the classification. But they're yeah, adding but something. From their point of view, it's not right. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah, exactly. they don't know that it's a dystopia. So yeah, right. It's only a dystopia from our point. Right. 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 
Um, <laughs> you know, I, I was looking at it again a little bit. I talked to some of my friends about it, and one of them brought up a lot of parallels between it and the uh, old movie Metropolis. Mm-hmm. Was that an inspiration for you guys on this, or is it is it just a happy coincidence? There, I would say there there are a lot of influences on the game from dystopian uh, movies and literature, mm-hmm. but most of them are just little nods. That right. I wouldn't say anything and. Well, obviously, there was no worker management or resource management in, 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 uh, in the movies, right? right. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that was all behind the scenes, actually. Right. You just never see it. Yeah, yeah. those are called production groups. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think of it as I mean, and it's Jamie's interpretation on um, dystopian fiction in general, kind of pulling it all together. That mm. that whole idea of um, everything's okay, but really it's not, and and. Uh, what's happening? Different factions that are trying to figure out what's okay, and nobody's good or evil. It's just everybody's just kind of going along with it or not going along. You know, it's, everything's gray. Yeah, everything. Right. Yeah, everything's in gray it, area. It's as, perfect as it should be. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And, and I know one of the stretch goals was actually the black and white flip of yeah. the board. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually have the cover art on my home computer, and it looks oh, gorgeous. Oh, nice. You know, yeah. uh, so I'm I'm really excited about getting my hands on that. Any idea when we're actually going to see the game deliver at this point? Yeah, yeah, we are we are right on track. We're like exactly on schedule. That's always scary. It is scary. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think it, I don't think you're ever on track. I, I think it's like yeah. talking to uh, you just haven't say, found what's going to go wrong. Yes. Yet, right? Right. I was about to say yeah. it's like talking to anybody who's done a Kickstarter. That's why here's like you go. Yeah, we're right on track for this. We're we're okay. One night you wake up and everything's gone wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's hope you guys don't hit that bump. So, so I was knocking on the, the plywood wall here because that's the closest thing we have. Right. A lot of trust in Panda. Like they have done a great job with those Panda games. Right. They have done a fantastic job of yeah. keeping Panda things. Panda is a good yeah. company. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. We're having lunch with them tomorrow, so we can finally meet face to face and see who oh, those wow. guys are. Yeah, nice. That's that's great. Yeah. So uh, I interrupted you though. But so when are, when is it actually going to hit? So the <laughs> the advanced copies we'll, we'll get advanced copies. They're basically like the first games off the print run. They'll mm-hmm. they'll print uh, ten games and they'll stop the the printer and they'll send them to us because it's basically the last chance that we have that if something terrible has gone wrong between now and then. We can right. look at it and find out. Find out. Really, they don't want any changes at that point, but it's a backup. And so that will happen um, the first week of October. We'll get those copies. Oh wow! So that's really soon. It is. Yeah, it's going up pretty yeah, fast it now. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be here before you know it. Mm-hmm. But from then on, then the actual printing takes about four weeks. So that'll be the end of October. And they'll put it on the boat, and the boat will pretty much take all of November to go to Amazons around the world. We we'll go to Amazon in the U.S., go to Amazon in Canada, Amazon in the in the EU. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if nothing goes wrong, and I, I think, like you said, that, well, it'll be Christmas time basically at that point. So everyone will be trying to get their products to Amazon and, and their products on, on boats overseas. So it's right. possible that, that they may not get delivered by Christmas. But I'm really hoping they do. Right. Yeah. Oh, that'd, be a, that'd be a great, uh, great timeline, yeah. actually, right? Well, just I what mean, you want. Yeah. If something does go wrong, you just talk to Santa Claus. And exactly. He'll make, he'll make yeah, sure right. they get delivered all over the world. We're good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they should have gone with Santa Claus There's plenty the of elves place. that yeah. are big mistake. I hear, though, if you do that, he, he's, 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 he's backlogged. I don't yeah, know if he will. would be like, really, guys? Mm-hmm. Mean, but he's a great distribution system. <laughs> yeah, I mean, true. he's about as quick as you can do. He is better than Amazon Prime. Yeah. So Amazon actually does the fulfillment process for you guys? Yep. Oh, that's awesome. That's got to be a lot nice. Uh, 
uh, nicer than some of the Kickstarters I know I've bagged, where they're like, we're packing envelopes for five days straight. <laughs> so My hands are bleeding. So we're we not did a little bit of that with Viticulture, <laughs> where we had some add-ons, and we were mm-hmm. doing it ourselves, and we said, you know, that didn't work out that great. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work, yeah. yeah. And Amazon does it for, you know... For a good price, <laughs> so well, hey, it hey, works out. Hey, they do something. You're not in the business to do the distribution. Right. They are so why? just like that's on, what they do. Right. Yeah, just like exactly. you're not in the business to print the games, right? right. Yeah. Exactly. And yep. doing that side, yeah. but so you're concentrating on what apparently you know you seem to be pretty good at so far is to make the good games. Yeah, so, that's, that's what we're goal. hoping. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, like I said, so far, Viticulture's proven success. I'd say at this stage, mm-hmm. um, is it still unavailable at this point? It is. So our, our plan with Viticulture, um, we, we debated doing a second print run. Um, a couple of months ago we had this debate. I would say two months ago, back in June, we had this debate. Should we do a second print run? Um, but there were a few small elements of the game that we had, you know, we had got all this feedback after people actually got it. And by and large, I think right now it's about 7.6 on BGG. So people seem, seem to like it. They seem happy with it. But there are a few small things that we wanted to tweak. So we decided... We basically made the decision. We knew we could have made money off of it, but mm-hmm. we said, "Okay, let's forego that and make these small tweaks for the future of the game." Um, and we'll combine the second edition with the expansion pack that we've been thinking about, which will go on Kickstarter in like January or February. Okay. So we'll kind of combine those two uh, in, into that one Kickstarter. So it really won't be until next year, around this time, actually, around Gen Con. That might be one of our targets. Try to yeah, hit Gen Con. I think. It'll hit right um, about then, yeah. To have the second edition of the game come out and have the uh, the expansion pack come out. Okay, are you going to sell them as a bundle then, or is it just you can buy just like the second the second edition and then the X pack that can still integrate in with your first edition copy? Sure. Which, would, yeah, we're trying to figure well, exactly how to box it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think to answer your question directly, I think you could we can do retail copies along with. Um, the second edition. The second edition won't make the first edition obsolete, too. That's something that's really important mm-hmm. to us. All those people bought that game. Right. This will just add in a couple of rule tweaks that will make well, that game better. if it's just a rule around yeah. it, you yeah. a, you we're not going to be adding or send out an email. Yeah. And, yeah. Then the first copy is still completely viable. Right. You just right. don't have the new rule book yet. Or you, or you could package it in with the expansion as well and mm-hmm. package it in as an errata. Say, you know, get right. this, it will make sure it has the errata for your first yeah. edition. And so many games have done that. You know, it's very common practice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, are you concerned about it not being available basically for a year? Uh, as far as how that's going to affect uh, future sales, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, that's why we had the debate, and that's it, it's it was a, hard, a it's really a hard tough call. decision. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, obviously, we had more people that wanted, or at least more um, uh, distributors that wanted it. Right. And we that's going to be nerve wracking, not knowing what the distributors are doing yeah. with those copies. You yeah. don't know the right answer. That's the thing. Yeah. Anytime you're doing something like this, you're just trying to do what's best for your company and best for your customers. Mm-hmm. And it's a really it's a balance that being our first game, it wasn't something that was just like, oh, well, we know exactly how many people are going to buy this or you know care about this. Yeah. And um, I think both of us were astounded at the popularity it's got. Like we're we're just in, like we weren't ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> so, and well, that's what you learn, you know, going through it. Hopefully, with Euphoria, we do it better, you know. And mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a concern that we don't have all those games out there for people that want them. Right. But also, we're going to make the game better, and hopefully, people can hold on for that. So, yeah. I think it. Uh, I think it goes without saying that if you have a good product, people are going to buy it no matter what. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if it is good, I don't think you guys have anything to worry about. Yeah, yeah. We, we've seen several games take hiatuses in the past. 
uh, sometimes for decades. Mm -hmm. And then they come back to either much fanfare, hopefully much fanfare. When we've seen it happen many times, hopefully Viticulture will come back and they'll say, hey, they did an errata and here it is and it's great. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's what I'm sure everybody's hoping for, at least in this little roundtable. <laughs> yeah. And I think I think something that's important to mention is our loyal following of backers. Like we mm-hmm. have people that really believe in us, and they're going to be there to help with that too. You know, the right. the people on Kickstarter that have come in and helped us be what we are. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. you know, I everything that we've gotten suggests that they trust what we're up to. Mm-hmm. So, well, if your core backers are going to stay behind what you're doing. That's all you really need at the end of the day. Right. So. Well, you want to make, make, make sure you maintain those core backers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, think that's more, I think that's more They're behind you. They're behind you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, which I think, I don't, from, from everything that, you know, Brian has talked to me about, uh, about Euphoria and the company in general before we started recording this, uh, it seems like you guys are very much in tune with your customer base and you're not going to, uh, I would say, discourage them and or cause them to go away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is really great to hear. I mean, I, I'm glad to hear you know you guys as a company really care about the the, the gamers, your your yeah. core audience, which is always nice to hear. Yeah, and Kickstarter is actually really it's really helped out with that. We had that direct connection with yep. all of our mm-hmm. backers. I mean, I have all of their email addresses. I can I can chat with them, and they chat with us. That yeah. so that that's really Jamie's nice to have a connection. Done such a phenomenal job at fostering that relationship and maintaining that relationship that like. That is our business, right? And that's the only reason we exist. So, taking care of our customers and making sure that they get the best product we can possibly put out there is the most important thing to us. Yeah. So, that's a great sentiment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I'm trying to think of something to. Well, I actually, yeah. have one other question for you, and this is more not directly related to the games. Well, but hold, on, I, hold on before you ask that question, because we have, we keep dancing around the original question. I don't remember what the original. What is Euphoria in terms of a game? Okay. Question number one. Yeah. We have to come back to this. So everybody right, yeah, knows we, what Euphoria is. Sure. <laughs> it doesn't really exist. We're kind of avoiding answering. Yeah. Vaporware. Vaporware. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's much like that Phantom game console, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, in all seriousness, like uh, we we talked about, it's a dystopian game. Yeah. Right. And so, so the idea behind there. the game, each of the players, uh, you you play someone who has discovered that you are living in a dystopia. You've kind of found out that you're living in it, and right. you've decided that you want to do something about it. You want to build a better dystopia. Hence the subtitle. And so the ways you do that, you have a team of workers represented by dice. And it is a worker placement game with those dice. Um, the numbers on the dice represent the knowledge of those workers. And so uh, the higher the knowledge of your collective workforce, the, the more likely they are to realize that they're living in a dystopia. And so it's, it's not a typical dice game in that when, when you roll the dice, you, you want to roll the sixes. Um, because if you roll too many sixes and, and they, their knowledge is too high, there's going to be trouble. There's ways you can manage and mitigate the uh, the knowledge factor, and knowledge also plays a role into when you actually place the dice on the board, what you get in return um, for placing okay. the dice there. So when you place the dice, it, it becomes kind of a resource management game. And one of the coolest mechanics in the game, well, there, there are two that I, I really like. One is that uh, the element of building. You're building um, markets within the dystopia, and whenever you build a market, any player who didn't contribute to building that market um, gets a penalty. Uh, it's it's a semi permanent penalty. It's it's yeah. permanent until they go out of their way to uh, overcome that penalty. Right. It's a rule changing penalty. So it might say, 
um, well, I, it, it'll be a little too complicated for me to go into it, but, right. but <laughs> it makes sense in the yeah. context. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, and those are just printed on the card, so each type of market has a different effect? Or? Yeah. Right. Okay. So the, the market tiles are placed face down on the board at the beginning of the game. When you build a market, you flip it, and you re- you reveal what the penalty is that you oh, So you don't activate. even know what you're wow. building. Right. Right. You just okay. know that you're not going to be penalized when you build it, and everyone else is. to force some cooperation you see around the board, okay, that person has brick and that person has gold, so we can build this particular market. Um, Without I build, you know, yeah. so two or bricks with, and a gold. Yeah. I'll build a brick, they'll build a brick, they'll build a gold. And those other people are like, oh, this is what I have to do with my turn now because otherwise I'm out on that. So you can right. you can kind of stick it to others on the way around. And while they're doing that, you're doing so something so else. So it's a group coercion. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Where were you when we were writing? Up <laughs> yeah, <that? group> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know where you can always find us. Yeah. You got our emails. <laughs> yeah, we we exchange phone numbers, so uh, yeah, yeah, just let me know. Yeah. Uh, no, well, it sounds yeah. really cool. Yes, and I don't know I if agree. I've seen I've seen elements of the, these type of mechanics in mm-hmm. other games, but mm-hmm. I haven't seen what you're describing in quite that way. Yes. Yeah. So uh-huh. as you put it, the group coercion. I I, I think that's going to be really fun to try out. So, yeah. I've uh, I think the closest thing. Uh, it sounds like it's. With the dice mechanic, it's going to lend itself to have such a uh, such a good replayability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not like um, it's not like in certain games where you have a formula you're going to follow at all times. Mm-hmm. This right. has a, a completely volatile volatile in the sense of you don't know which way everything's going to go. Right. right. So you're going to be sitting there going, "Hmm, I like that." I, I get honest that that anything that has more than uh, what I like to call my five replay my five replayability game. Meaning, after five times, I pretty much figured out the game. I know how it's going to go every right. time. Right. Uh, I'm it's, glad to hear it's hard to find a game that doesn't do that yes. sometimes. Right. Yeah, it's not formulaic. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to hear that I can replay this multiple times. I'm not going to mm-hmm. know what's happening. I'm going right. to have to be forced to think every single game. And, right. And you can take completely different approaches to winning. Too. Right. There are so many different things. It's really hard to explain over... Is it a victory point system, or is it just... A- when you get to... It's kind of like Settlers. When you get to... Or Catan, when you get to 10 points, you win. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. That's just, cool. There's multiple yeah. ways to get points. There's a lot of ways to get points. Um, okay. And we won't go into too much detail on that. Yeah, this, yeah that's... This, yeah. this wasn't meant to be a game yeah, mechanics discussion, really. a long time on that. Maybe we can do that discussion later when sure. it actually ships. Absolutely. Yeah. When we get our hands on it, we're doing a review where our playgroup is sitting down and we're playing it out. We mm, might awesome. actually get, bring you guys in maybe for like a 20-minute... Yeah, maybe, we, maybe a sure. post-mortem where we can say, this is our experience with it. How's that line with what you're hearing kind of thing? I think awesome. that would be a lot of fun. Absolutely, that would be fun. Um, yeah. I'm really curious to hear what the masses end up thinking about the yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. As any kind of creative person, getting that feedback is always important. Mm-hmm. Stressful <laughs> when it's not there. It's like, you're working, it's like right. nothing's going on. <laughs> right. <laughs> and which shoe is going to drop, right? Yeah. So, uh, well, even, even when that shoe does drop, you know, if all you hear is negative feedback, then you have to start going, oh, man, did we really make that much of a bad game? Because you know how, you know how it typically goes. People usually yeah. don't give feedback unless they're unhappy. Yeah. It's really hard to yeah. get that positive feedback. Yeah. yeah. So, you almost I, have to beg for it. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, no. right. <laughs> please, yeah. please, please. develop passion one way or the other. When people don't enjoy something, they mm-hmm. become passionate automatically. Right. When they do enjoy something, it takes a lot of enjoyment to get yeah. passion. A lot of engagement. That, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a hard thing to accomplish, mm-hmm. for sure. 
I know for us, we got we, we've been getting feedback now, and it's it's helped us feel a little bit more revitalized about the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, this is a time commitment for us to do these every week. We're taking out from our vacation now to do it, and yeah, you know, it's it's absolutely. it's a lot of work, and I'm sure it's the same for you guys. And that kind of segues into my next question: Are you at a point where you're doing the games full time now? Oh no, 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 <laughs> yeah. No. Like Alan mentioned, the yes. the margin on you for even though it raised a lot of money, the margin is not very good. Mm-hmm. We'll at best we'll we'll. Well, I don't, I, don't, I don't think we'll really make any money off of it because any if we do have any leftover at the end, it'll probably go back we'll go into, into the, the art for the next or, game or yeah, the Euphoria expansion. Right. right. It's it's not like I'm, I was talking to to Tim on the way over here. I was looking at all, all these giant companies that have that have thrown a lot of money at Gen Con. And I'm really impressed by that. I'm kind of curious how they're making all yeah. that money at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and then, we'll and then you there, see but, yeah. and then you see resellers like Cool Stuff that can sell these same games that they're selling for. Ha- a third or two thirds of the price yeah. of what these of the list price. Yeah, how much are they paying for it to get it that cheap? Yeah. I don't understand how it yeah, works either. With yeah. the MSRP on ours, and then we go and we see somebody selling it for so much less than we sold it. We're like, wait, <laughs> what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a it's a tough business for sure. Distributors, what was fun, your cost? So, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah. They, they get forty percent. So, yeah. uh, Euphoria is a seventy dollar game. Yeah, forty mm-hmm. percent of that. About thirty, thirty dollars. Yeah, roughly. Yeah, yeah. Wow. math so, is hard, but yes, yeah. about forty dollars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, give or take. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's so it's, it definitely sounds like a stressful. Uh, yeah. If maybe, you want to get it in stores, you're going to take a hit. That's oh, pretty much how it goes. But, and if you don't get it in stores and get it in people's hands, yeah, then you're still what, what's the point? You don't have right. a exactly. business. So. Yeah. Well, even if you ship it out yourself, you're they're still taking a minor hit. Maybe not as bad, but right. you're still having yeah. to take a hit regardless. Well, the time spent, like you have to factor that in, and there's no way we could, you know, like. If my time's worth X amount, I'm spending way too much time doing that to make it worth it. So, yeah. And actually, I think Amazon, at least in the U.S., I think it's cheaper for us to have Amazon do fulfillment than for us to do it ourselves. Oh, yeah. Right. If we did it ourselves, we would ship it by USPS flat rate, and it would cost a little over $11 per game. Yeah. For Amazon, it's about $8. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Makes- and they do it faster. They make they less, fewer errors than we would. Yeah. Right. And they and they have guarantees. Which and they have guarantees. Yep. Yeah. 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 Like if something is lost on your end, you're like, well, I guess we got to bite that one and send you a new one. Right. Amazon kind of mm-hmm. has their whole policy in place to protect, you know, all their shipments. Yeah. They'll, they'll yeah. at least pay mm-hmm. for that copy they destroyed, right? We've <laughs> gone through that a few times. Yeah, yeah. some copies have yeah. shown up, and I don't know what has gone through to get to it. It's just ripped apart. The shape oh, that wow. they show up in. Yeah. So that kind of reminds me, uh, a long time ago I was in a Big Ten Tires, and all the and on the shelf, they have this jar of things they found in people's tires. Oh. And like a driver's license yeah. sliced in half that was stuck up in somebody's tire. I mean, where does this stuff come from? Yeah. <laughs> no, but um, we're probably getting to the point where I guess it's time to wrap up. Is there anything that you guys want to plug or anything uh, coming up? Um, I guess just the Viticulture in January, the expansion pack and mm-hmm. second edition. Um, yeah. Okay. And I would say, where can the listeners like follow you guys? Do you have a website, Twitter, anything so they can keep track of what's going on with your guys' game company? Yeah, the the best hub is StoneMeyerGames.com. We do write about our and games. How do you spell Meyer? It's uh, Stone and then M A I E R Games.com. Yeah, okay, yeah. Just, just double check in there because there's oh, it's a good there's, yeah, there's a few spellings. Right. Yeah. I, I would have <laughs> gone with M A Y E R first, but right. I, I still I still spell it wrong. So yeah. Uh, then I don't feel so bad. <laughs> the, the good thing is that this will be in our show notes. Anything you guys tell us, we'll make sure we include so Great. that oh, when okay. people come to the episode, they'll be able to. Now, I know you're on Twitter. 
I'm on Twitter under my name, Jamie Stegmeyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Alan has never been on the internet before. I don't use the internet. No, I, <laughs> I, I, do you know where the PowerPoint on the PC is? <laughs> Sometimes I can find it. Okay. Uh, no, that's not my uh, bailiwick, so we'll leave that to Jamie, and he is... Yeah, that's why I enjoy it. He does. Yeah, it's it's Jamie's his area. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I, we were joking today. I'm the muscle. <laughs> it doesn't really make any sense. Has the fun. I don't have a ton of value being the muscle, but not a lot of muscle in gaming. But. Someone's got to do it. <laughs> but I was going to say, Stonemaier Games. Uh, we although we talk about our games a little bit, really the focus of the site has been um, kind of helping other Kickstarter creators. I get letting them know what we've learned and I love Kickstarter. So I follow a lot of different projects. And Mm -hmm. so I I think uh, I have a series called the Kickstarter lessons on the blog that, that hopefully other creators find helpful. And from what I can tell, they they do. That's awesome. And that's not to say if you want anything about viticulture or euphoria, you're going to find it on Stonemaier games. Um, But yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of information on Kickstarter campaigns and things like that. So very cool. It sounds like you guys are definitely paying it for it, which is great. Yeah, that's the idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I ask you guys one quick question before we have to go? Sure. You have, uh, we're, you, the listeners can't see it, but we're looking at a very nice microphone here. Yeah. And I, when I listened to your podcast, the sound quality was amazing. Is Thank that you. credit to the microphone here? Well, uh, this is the one that Tim normally uses. Okay. Um, I have mine at home. Mine's a little bit more of an elaborate setup. Okay. And then we do uh, post-production and audition. So it's a combination of these things. It, it really, the best thing you can do if you're trying to have a good, high-quality audio podcast yeah. is get a good mic, set it up in a quiet spot, then mm-hmm. you know, even go to extremes like setting up phone and stuff like that. Honestly, okay. we haven't done a lot of the high end stuff because it gets very expensive very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, we'll be upgrading probably our travel <laughs> our travel equipment first before we upgrade any of the mm-hmm. home equipment, mm-hmm. so that when we go to things like I'll be traveling to PAX in two weeks, okay. and I plan to either take the mic with me and or borrow one on you know while I'm there, so that if I do need to like drop mm-hmm. it, I find something really amazing on the hobby. I, on the hobby industry, I want to drop my mic and get going immediately because mm-hmm. I have my equipment with me as well. Yeah. So that'll be our first step. But yes, the the blue, all the blue equipment we buy, um, be it either the Snowball, the Yeti, the Nessie, they're great introductory uh, equipment for okay. podcasting. Um, the Snowball's worked great for us for this con, mm-hmm. uh, for Gen Con. We will probably upgrade it to the Yeti Pro by next Gen Con yeah. or even possibly carrying a whole new set of equipment. Well, the the really, big thing we really are going to need to do for these kind of travel sets up, setups will be to have each of us have our own mic oh, okay. running through a mixer. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, it gets very expensive very quickly. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But for this, I mean, it's uh, I think most the cheapest blue is like 70 bucks, so you can mm-hmm. get it pretty much okay. anywhere. Well, I, I mean, I bought mine off Amazon, mm-hmm. and they have Right next day, and we were we just got started recording. Yeah. So, okay. so nice. uh, much like the world of gaming on your side, though the audio production side has so many different variables. Yeah, everyone has their different opinions about what sounds best. It's highly subjective. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, if you want, I can be happy to give you some links if you're thinking about doing something on your own. I am curious. So you have it here plugged up to a laptop. Mm-hmm. We've done. I know this is very low tech, but we've done our videos on my iPad, mm-hmm. right? Which is. There's nothing wrong with that. No. Yeah, it, it does the not, job for yeah, what I need. When we're here, well, that's what we're using for our video capture as well. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. yeah. The problem, though, I found we is sound capture. Video. The the yeah, sound, yeah. I've tried attaching mics to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm just not getting the right mics, but it wasn't. There is a lot to it with the mics. I'm not sure about how you would connect, especially like a high-end mic is over an XLR. There's probably an adapter out there somewhere for it. Yeah. Like but, uh, yeah. 
I, that's not using an iPad for recording isn't something I've investigated that much. Yeah. <laughs> it's usually it's usually like drop you know go go buy like a like an Asus netbook or something that's kind of cheap that you carry around. Yeah, I mean I we're we're carrying around you know again a little bit higher grade of equipment. Yeah. Uh, however, you could just do a cheap laptop and bring it with you to do these mm-hmm. kind of recordings. Yeah, we're yeah. we're uploading and stuff, so I have to do whatever little bit of editing I'm going to do here. Okay. And yes. uh, we upload it okay. you know uh, to our site that. At night, so it's uh, it's it's been fun though. Cool, yeah. Well, I'm impressed by the whole production. You guys, yes. oh, you're thanks. doing a great job. Well, thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Really, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. thank you all for coming out again. Uh, we got Jamie Stigmeyer mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, Alan Stone and uh, from Stone Meyer Games. So thank you so much for coming out. Yeah, thanks guys. Thanks, thanks for having us. Yeah, we'll we'll have to have you guys back on another episode when we're at home and able to, uh, <laughs> able to have a higher again higher higher quality like you're saying that you enjoy. You may not like last night's episode. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of echoes, a lot of, yeah. Anyway, right well, again, on. thanks again, guys, and we'll catch you guys next time. Thanks yeah. a lot. Thanks. thanks. That's where I do the transition sound. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that I am. <laughs> thanks, past Brian and past Tim. <laughs> anyway, so. No, that was. Yeah, so, that was the interview with Jamie Stegmeyer and Alan Stone of Stonemeyer Games. And uh, it was a lot of fun to sit down and talk with those guys. Those guys were amazing. I had a lot of fun. We geeked out a lot. It was, it was a good time. And, and, you know, they got to answer some questions for me that I've been really wanting to know uh, about, you know, Kickstarter, the hobby gaming industry from a publisher side, especially a small one. And right. it was it was really cool to sit down and talk to them. And I hate that we had to do it in the middle of a hallway next to the spouses' areas. However, again, like we stress, schedule. <laughs> scheduling, scheduling, scheduling. That's yes. Us. No, it it was a lot of fun though. And I want to thank them again for coming on. In the show notes, we've placed a link to their site, which um, you know they're planning to do again that next Kickstarter in January. So keep an eye out there if you want to if you want to follow that. And also, I placed a link to Viticulture on on. Uh, Cool stuff. Yes. So please go buy their game. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna plug them one one last time. Say go buy their games, guys. They're, yeah. Like they're amazing. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. Go go buy them out. Um, yes. Yeah, they, those cool guys has, deserve it. Cool stuff has 20, 20 plus left in stock. Let's get them to zero. Mm-hmm. But all in all, Gen Con day, day two Friday was absolutely amazing. Unbelievable. Uh, I mean, yes. Even though we spent most of it in a dealer room, let's be fair here. We spent most of it in a dealer we, room. We did spend a lot of in a dealer room. We got some very great first time experiences, um, which we'll go mm-hmm. into more detail on Saturday. Um, and Sunday. And, no, no, they'll just all be on Saturday. Well, <laughs> no, I'm talking <laughs> about this coming stuff. Saturday. No, not, not past oh. Saturday. You know, <laughs> yes, the, the mega episode that's okay. coming. Yes. Um, you know, we, we those interviews with uh, the guys at True Dungeon were just so great. We decided to wrap it up and turn that into a Saturday episode. We were not intending on even posting. And just the whole experience is uh, Gen Con is surreal. It's almost impossible to explain. I couldn't say better myself. I, I was trying to come up with something really witty and clever to end with on that, but that's that's what it is. Gen Con is, as they put it, the best four days of hobby gaming that mm-hmm. you can have. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, oh, oh, Friday night was the Ennies. Friday night was the Ennies, and we completely missed them because, going to give a plug to this, Scotty's Brew House was, <laughs> we went there that night because, <clears throat> to be honest, Pezo bought them out. And so the, everything was themed for uh, Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. 
and we got to drink some delicious, delicious dragon's milk. We ate some goblin ears. I ate some goblin ears and some, uh, what was it? What was the, uh, um, uh, I forgot the, the, the dish Craig got. It was goblin something. I think it was goblin stew or something. The yeah. chips with the, that was delicious. Mm-hmm. And then we got to go over to the Ram, which is the, is a brew pub, uh, just like Scotty's, but that one's brought up by Privateer Press and we had a great time. I think actually you'll, we have some recording from there. No, no, that was Thursday that night was we went Thursday there. Thursday night we did. Yeah, Friday night we only ate at uh, Scotty's. I am so sorry. I, yeah, I that's what we get for not recording that night. Uh, yeah, so we we had Dragon's Milk. We had a lot of good stuff. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know uh, another. Oh, um, we, um, we had, you know we had drinks at Scotty's. We ate dinner at uh, California Pizza Kitchen. Yes, we did. Um, that was delicious. We had a great time with that. We actually got to sit down with one of the GMs from True Dungeon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Joe stopped by, and that was a lot of fun to hang out with him. Uh, and then we had to run from there to our True Dungeon instance. Literally, we ran down the halls. Yeah. And, and that was also <laughs> the night Craig. <laughs> that was also the night Craig had, I think, his best time because he got a copy of Dark Tower from the oh, auction. Yes, he, he did. He got a, pr- a pretty much mint condition copy. Uh, it wasn't mint condition. But it was his best copy. The guy has like three or four copies. Yeah, but yeah, you know, it's pretty it, close. I mean, well, the only thing it's was probably the box was damaged, but it's meant for thirty years, pieces. I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's a thirty-year-old board game. Absolutely yeah. incredible, and it was awesome to watch him carry this box around uh, when, as we were going through True Dungeon, and just see people geek out over it. I mean, this this really is a piece of our history. You got to remember is that the next day people mm-hmm. were calling him the Dark Tower. Yeah, while we were walking around downtown. <laughs> that was awesome. All that right, well, I guess let's wrap it up. And thanks again to our special guests, uh, Jamie and Alan from Stone Stonemire Games. Oh, thanks again, guys. We really appreciate having you on the episode. And you listeners, thanks for joining us for another another episode of Epic Turn. You can find our show notes at epicturn.com forward slash episodes forward slash six. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Epic Turn. Also, you can follow your co-host, Brian at, at Kelton and me at, at Telshin. If you like the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. And as always, thanks for joining us for another episode of Epic Turn. Day two. Day kind of. <laughs> God, I hate you. We had to record day three and day four. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh my god, man, so much pressure. Shh, shh, shh. Brian, Brian, Brian. It's okay. <laughs>